All right, we're back with another episode of the 132 Breeze podcast. As always, this is Marlo joined by Casey. Casey, here we are coming into mid-May. Mother Day is behind us. We're in the we're coming up on the holiday. How are we doing? Yeah, pretty good. Uh happy belated Mother's Day to all the the moms uh out there, to all the would-be moms and uh those who lost moms. All those people, happy happy Mother's Day. Uh, it was a obviously <laughs> different Mother's Day yep. here. Uh, very relaxing uh, Mother's Day, just hanging out with with the family at home. And we decided to order dinner, Marlo, which is the first time that we have done this un- under under quarantine. Really? Uh, and we decided to get uh, some Chinese food from our uh, favorite local Chinese restaurant, which yep. is really good. Uh, however, um, you know, as one does, I got a fortune cookie. <laughs> uh in that and my fortune cookie um the translation for it uh, i'm i'm want to get this right so I'm, I'm grabbing the fortune cookie now um the translation so the learn chinese you know on the back yep was to have a fever oh no translation to have a fever so it's fao fa shao so there you go that was great uh not a good time uh, fortune cookie <laughs> to have that have that translation uh, suggest- but no it was a good mother's day overall marlo um you know ominous fortunes aside how are you doing <laughs> yeah i good another yeah another kind of thing that passed through quarantine sounds strange but right a lot of relaxing just let mom do her thing yeah let her not let, not let her, let her not lift a finger and just hang out and that you know that's the best you could do on this side, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it went over well over in this house. Nice. So I didn't want to let, you know, Mother's Day go by without thinking about myself. So I thought about Father's Day. Yeah. And, you know, when you think of Father's Day, Marlo, I don't know about you, but I think about, hmm, what time do the Brewers play? And, mm-hmm. oh, it'll be the end of the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah. And such thoughts. And realized that's not happening this No, year. that's going to happen. <laughs> And it's it, like the the thought of a sportsless, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But a possibly sportsless Father's Day is uh, downright frightening. <laughs> <laughs> it is very ominous. Um, yeah, now that you bring it up, I thought about that a little bit too. What that's what that's going to be like? Because it's like uh, that's the day where yeah, just leave me alone. I'm going to watch hopefully the NBA finals. The U.S. Open, yeah, or too, yeah. just just lay on the couch and leave me alone. Thank yep. you. Yep, that's my. <laughs> I you know uh, I get to watch sports free card day, and uh, the weird thing about Mother's Day is there isn't necessarily that kind of like this is clearly what I want to be doing instead of you know being part of the family. Uh, a lot, <laughs> it seems like there's a lot more, I guess, uh, second guessing at least in motherhood about just abandoning the family. Where in Father's Day, it's just like <laughs> see ya. <laughs> be around, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be focusing uh, yeah. on myself. So we'll have that coming up. Mother's Day uh, uh, down. Um, well, this is we are two thirds of the way through my, I guess, uh, gift uh, celebration. It's called a celebration. Uh, yeah, half month. So yes, we have my, my right. wife's my wife's birthday. We have Mother's Day, and then we have my anniversary coming up here. So yes. all of those are within I think three weeks. Um, so. Uh, young men out there listening, I'm sure there are a lot of you. Uh, don't do it this way. 
it's very challenging. Um, although, I guess, pandemics make it slightly easier because expectations are mercifully lower. So. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I forget about this. I mean, I do. I get reminded about it every year and every year. I'm like, man, you did it to yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> we definitely, I, I remember planning the wedding um, and the weekend came up. Um, we wanted a spring wedding, spring-ish, you know, um, here in May. And it came up that, hey, it was going to, I think it was the day, so Mother's Day was the day after our wedding. Um, and I remember that being brought up as an issue and i remember being like why would that ever be a problem like what <laughs> and and now i wish i had been like that's a good point let's do the next weekend <laughs> or something so it's not right on top of uh each other but no it's great i i i, I just but it's you know I'm glad to celebrate both of those things yeah, yeah. All right, we should probably just talk about all some right, other stuff before right, we dig talk. a deeper hole yeah. for ourselves. For, uh, yeah, for people, people <laughs> stop listening. Like I didn't tune in to listen to Casey complain about <laughs> having to get gifts for his wife. What a jerk. Uh, <laughs> all right, Last Dance Marlowe, episode seven and eight. Yes. I, you know, this feels like NFC Championship weekend or whatever. Okay. Championship yeah. weekend, right? We know it's almost over. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know we have one week left. We see the advertisements, the last word, the last dance, the last whatever, you know, the last shot. It's coming. It wasn't the last shot, but whatever. For the sake of this documentary, there it is. <laughs> yeah, for the sake of this documentary, it's the last shot I ever. Feel a little, I feel a little bit like that. Like, I, sure, I'm excited for the end of it, right? I'm excited to see episodes 9 and 10, but I'm sad that it's so close. <laughs> yeah, it's so close to over. You're so happy that it's here, but so. Yeah. You get the, uh, the I, I like that analogy. You know, see, championship game, like, you know, you had, you had two, we had two intense episodes knowing that there's like one more day left. Yeah. One more, one more day left to, to go out there. And it's going to seem so far away. Um, but yeah, this was, um, how do you say? I, I guess overall, my overall thinking of these, yeah. these, these, this couplet was, uh, it went it kind of went some places I didn't think they were going to go. I knew they were going to talk about, but I didn't think they were going to go as in depth. Interesting. And um, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I thought these were the two best episodes. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed these the most probably because they were most sports-centric. We did, it, there was less background stuff, right? The other yeah. ones were a lot of, like, how we got here and this sort of thing. Um, this one was the most Jordan-focused. Yes. And... The, the, or these two uh and they were they were fantastic and we got some of the best jordan quotes and just i think some of the best this this was the meat of of the story and i think um you know obviously we'll see how it plays out well we know how it plays out but we'll see that coming up but i think this was the meat and episode seven started or at least the main first part of episode seven was kind of leading up and announcing of the retirement Starting out with, I think the the, the storyline started out with uh, Michael Jordan's dad, James Jordan, being murdered. Yeah. And you were obviously closer in following the Bulls than I was at this time. And I knew he mm-hmm. got murdered, but like now that I'm watching this documentary in hindsight, what? Like this is that is so absolutely bizarre. And what was like? What was your memory of it at the time? Because for me, at the time, it was like, oh, his like his dad died, and like the circumstances of it didn't seem murky. And we'll get into that a little bit, but like, yeah. it wasn't 
to me, he just, his dad passed away and it wasn't like a murder, but watching it in hindsight, it's like, oh my God, it was a murder. This is so crazy. And I felt like my memory was, it wasn't a big deal. It must've been different for you. Yeah. I, and I, um, I, for me, I remember the, like, his dad going missing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that being reported, but it, it wasn't, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, like, it wasn't reported until, like, he was two weeks missing, and then it was a week missing, and then they found him, right? Yeah. Um, and so, or, yeah, like, the media didn't get wind of it, or maybe I didn't because I was younger, but I, that's what I remember most is that he was missing mm-hmm. for a bit, and that, I remember that week being long because it seemed like it was on Sports Center every day. Um, about it, and then then the body turns up, and yeah, yeah, my George's father died, and yeah, it was obviously like a huge, huge, huge story at the time in Chicago, um, and nationally as they as they proclaimed on the uh, on the documentary, they had those, but uh, yeah, but I think even the the details of it that they went through here, I didn't remember them as vividly. Mm-hmm. Right, and then having like the whole all the circumstances and how everything went down was um, like I remember watching it and being like, "Oh yeah," but not it wasn't as that memory wasn't crisp. Like yeah. I wouldn't be able to recall that without you know without seeing it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I I just like it just seemed to me it was just like oh his dad died, but like it obviously was was much different. And then the documentary went along to kind of outline a lot so a lot of what we saw in episode six was kind of the uh jordan getting tired with all the gambling questions and all like the media trying to knock him from the pedestal and all of that kind of uh attention and it seems like it took a turn the media took a turn in what uh, one of the interviews i don't remember who it was called not it wasn't journalism's journalism's finest hour uh when the media just started speculating that this of course, or I shouldn't say of course, the media started speculating this had something to do with Michael Jordan's gambling or whatever. And just, I couldn't imagine losing your father and having that kind of speculation where they're essentially, the media is essentially blaming Michael Jordan. I keep wanting to call him Michael like I know him now, which is kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah. You know, like like we're, we're, we're pale. So let's, let's call him Michael. Um, yeah. They're essentially blaming him for this and we'll talk about his retirement announcement and why in a little bit but like just that the wedge that started the narrative in episode six where they're asking about it and they're like prying deeper and deeper and he's be kind of becoming this like anti-hero like they just took a sledgehammer to that wedge with this kind of speculation yeah absolutely um i i guess i thought i mean i remember the like the speculation of that that's always like that's been a question but i guess i didn't realize like how widespread it was when they were just flashing up the the articles on the on the on the screen yeah um and like how many journalists were involved with it Mm -hmm. um that it wasn't just like one one article it was like multiple journalists had we were trying to get i guess what we'd call clickbait back in the time or i guess what do you call it newspaper bait whatever um but headline grabbing and yeah. yeah, that would, I couldn't, I mean, that's, that's just, that's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. Like there's bad journal. This is like bad journalism. And I just don't, I don't know how anyone could go to that extent. Right. Yeah. Especially like as in that moment, it just seems 
seems out of line. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Michael, our boy, had to issue a statement telling people to stop trying to tie it to gambling. Like, it was that... Yeah. It was that big of a deal that he had to issue a statement. Is just... It was stomach-churning watching it. Um, so then, I guess, tied with that was when... I don't know... In your living room or wherever you were watching it, Marlo, if you had this, when Michael was explaining, <laughs> I keep calling him Michael, was <laughs> explaining um, his relationship with his dad, uh, yeah. it got a little dusty in yeah. in my living room. Uh, not going to lie. <laughs> little, maybe maybe some allergies. I'm not sure. It got a little dusty in there, and it was really cool to see him just kind of, just the, I mean, the words that he used to describe uh, his dad were great, but like the pause before he did where he kind of gathered himself i know it's just so cool to see what one the the father-son relationship as we both have sons um and fathers was was really cool um but two i don't just throughout this thing i it's just so cool to see cool is not the right word it's humanize humanizing to see michael jordan have emotions yeah and each time he every time he does and he does much more later in this i'm like struck by it it's so strange it's such a strange feeling yeah you're just not you're not used to seeing an icon have any other emotions that aren't tied to sports directly right yeah and just the uh, you know even leading up to this point they did a good job of just the robotic uh, robotic manner he had of when just in life and in the court of like the singular focus and nothing was gonna get in mm-hmm. it and then you know when you start seeing that emotion it's like oh shit like there is in, uh, there is a human side to this person yeah. besides the game of basketball or, or just winning. Yeah, for sure. And it's, yeah. Um, although, <laughs> although at the same time as you find out more, it's like, how is he human? <laughs> yeah, no, but true. Yeah, it, it, it's really cool to see that. So I guess that the, his dad passing away was the prelude to uh, him announcing his retirement. He said that um, only his dad knew that the finals in 93 Yep. 94? 93. 93. Yep. 93 was his last game. He told his dad the, that, and he was the only one who knew. Uh, went through, you know, a thought, obviously a thought process and decided he was going to retire. He told um, Reinsdorf, right, yep. that he was going to retire. Um, and then he, Reinsdorf told um, Kraus, and then mysteriously it leaked to the press. Weird. Weird. baseball game. Weird how that happened that Michael Jordan was at, and it's weird that it leaked as we come off of the Jordan Rules book and where that information came from. <laughs> hmm. So strange. So clearly Horace Grant was involved, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> clearly Horace Grant was involved in that. It leaks at oh. the baseball game. Jordan has to take off in the middle of the game. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine what that night had to be like. Could- yeah, and then I can't. Well, you think about it too, like how much, how fr- how crazy, like how fast it leaked, and like where it got to, and how fast. And that was in '93. Yeah, that was before everyone had a phone in their hand, like, and still found out. Like somehow they found out. Everyone found out. You know, knew and like had that crazy press all up in the pre- in the and trying to get up to the suite and him getting out. I just thought that was wild, and I remember, you know, watching that White Sox game. <laughs> And then having that that announcement and be like, no, that's not real. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this this is fake news, which wasn't a thing then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but those are like, I don't know. I feel like not only just a quick overlook, but I feel like this episode and episode eight was 
like I have all these you know memories of it, but I just felt like these these memories struck me the hardest, like the most vivid, the most emotion came out of um, out of most of these in episode seven and eight. Um, kind of starting with this uh, with the retirement announcement, and then how we start to move forward uh, into the press yeah. conference and leading up to that it was just all like because as a kid it was very sad. I just like, sure <laughs> I didn't understand like you know just coming off championships. I didn't understand like why would you retire? Like you're the best. Obviously, yeah. you're just going to keep winning more. Like I didn't. I don't think I knew about retirement maybe <laughs> at the time. Like <laughs> what did that even mean? Um, but yeah, it was just yeah, it just struck me. Interesting. Yeah, well, you mentioned the press conference, and that was the next thing I wanted to talk about is, so the press conference happens, and uh, it's, you know, him, the brass of the Bulls, um, David Stern is there. Yeah. Uh, And just, it was, the way it was covered, and again, this is a documentary, so maybe it was just, it was like the way in which they showed Chicago watching this, and I think you alluded this a little bit, it it was like a tragedy was occurring and we were watching yeah. this, you know, people are standing in the street. Maybe this was something that happened in 1993. I'm not sure. And then people just stood in the street and watched the news in the <laughs> store windows. I've seen it in movies. I've never seen it in real life. Um, yeah. I don't go out in the streets much though. Um, but it was covered like it was a tragedy and everybody's watching it. Like the only, I can only compare it to, you know, tragedies I've witnessed where people literally stop what they're doing and watch this thing. And it was that big, uh, it, uh clearly in Chicago and probably elsewhere. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it's definitely big in Chicago. Uh, it's huge. And where they stopped, like at the, uh, the Wrigley building there where WGN is, uh, where they had people outside. I, I, that was, I agree. That was a weird, that was kind of a weird, a weird scene seeing it there. Uh, just people stop yeah. and watch, but I think the them showing the 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 room the next the room the room with the press conferences and like how many cameras there and the flashes yeah. of people that we still recognize now as as uh, uh, national media icons who were mm-hmm. there to cover uh, a retirement speech, which yeah you think about now like doesn't like you know, people do it on on Instagram and there's not that big of yeah. a fanfare, but it's just like they had. It was who's who was there to cover that, and it was just at that moment. I can't remember. And they didn't even do it what that time of day is, but I'm I'm sure everything stopped. Yeah, news wise, Chicago. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tom Brokaw was there. Yeah, and so it's weird seeing Bob Costas in all this because like it's he's just been a part of our lives for (laughs) thirty years, I guess. Yeah, it's weird. Like I just feel like there should be somebody else but i guess it was just bob goss so yeah time time for us yeah i just i love that they put in the whole mark gene greco so he's the one that comes he's like talking to the camera he's the local i think at the time abc uh but he's one of the locals and he's his secretary okay george is coming george is coming here he comes here he comes comes. here comes george coming (laughs) because that clip is used so much in like local chicago media still to this day I love that they, they oh, put really? that whole thing in there. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, <laughs> it's, it's funny seeing Jordan. So, like, it obviously this is jumping around a lot, but it's so I have like a memory of Jordan having, you know, being the, you know, probably 98 Jordan, right? Yeah. The, the earring in his ear, which I guess is 
continued to this day, right? The ear in his ear, the older looking Jordan, right? And then you'll right. like go back to 93 and you see the younger looking Jordan. It's like, it almost doesn't compute that it's the same person for me at times. It's just like, yeah, he seems like two different characters with this baseball separation. So let's yeah. talk about, well, let's talk about, before we talk about baseball, why yep. he left. So yep. right away, they, I guess, uh, it's not hit the nail on the head. There's a saying, but they, they got this out of the way right away. Gambling suspension. The gambling mm-hmm. speculation. Obviously, we talked about that when we talked about his uh, dad's untimely uh, death. Uh, the gambling didn't go away. The talk didn't go away. And they hit it head on. They had a David Stern interview. They had some other interviews talking about the suspension. And did you find, I guess, before this, Marlo, how did you consider the gambling suspension theory and do you find the suspension theory more or less credible now uh i always i've always found it stupid and not credible um and i and i i should have grabbed and i forgot who was explaining it the way i would explain it but so i would say afterwards i would say it's even you know less credible because they had more people talk about it but yeah even though i'll say this though the way David Stern said it with his little smirk made it seem like there was something <laughs> if I didn't know better. And I was like, damn it, David, like, you didn't do this any justice. But I, who was the one I was saying? I was like, um, I might have been the guy that wrote the Jordan, or not the Jordan Rules, his Aaron, whatever. Uh, he was explaining, like, do you really think David Stern would take Michael Jordan out at the height of, you know, the height of Michael Jordan that makes teams more money yeah um you know puts more money in his pockets more money in the league's pockets but more money in the player's pocket just to suspend him for gambling it just seems ridiculous yeah no he uh i i didn't catch who that was i did a really bad job of catching who gave quotes so <laughs> i'm just kind of like yeah, unattributing quotes to people but we'll quote them uh i think he called them an ultra or ultimate capitalist i'm not sure yeah. what but I, I wrote ultimate capitalist that david stearns would devalue all 30 teams because might make a secret deal with Michael Jordan to suspend him for 18 months, which is just a bizarre amount of time to suspend him. Um, so that he would stop gambling when he clearly wouldn't, wouldn't stop. Like it, I, so I always liked the theory, um, before I realized that it involved seedier signs, let's say, (laughs) Um, less fortunate sides. Um, it was just kind of a fun theory. It's less fun now um, that I think about it. And just the whole construct of it seems less plausible after hearing and thinking of that. I agree. David Stern's interview was was funny, but I, I took it as like, I really have to freaking answer this. <laughs> like, this is, this is so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and I think that same person made the point um, if it was a secret suspension, how good can they be keeping a secret? Like this is this is kind of the the killer point to a lot of conspiracy theories, right? Yeah. You know, I don't want to name any, but like if so and so was so insidious and came up with this conspiracy theory, how can so few people know that it's still a secret? <laughs> like <laughs> There's not one selfish whistleblower out there that wants to blow it open that is credible enough. Like, come on. Um, and that's how I feel at, at this. I've, I, I somewhat entertained the theory, but now almost completely dismiss the theory of, of the gambling suspension. Um, but 
that means we're left with kind of the reasons outlined in episode six highlighted um, with um, James Jordan's passing um, of why Michael stepped away. Um, Oh, the quote I liked was, uh, I forget who it was, but how can I, (laughs) he was asked about the gambling um, suspension. He goes, how can I put this delicately? Uh, It's total bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can I use, can you use that? Just a, just a great, (laughs) fantastic quote. I mean, it can be used in any situation, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be. I will hopefully be quoting it much more in the future if I uh, am clever enough to use it. Um, but so they clearly led into him retiring in episode six and kind of talked about the the weight and of of the press, the weight of his own expectations. And I guess I found them more credible than I find them way more credible than any sort of gambling suspension. I think they held up pretty well in this kind of re- re-examination in episode seven. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've always, I've always thought, you know, the, his father played a big part in it. And I think for me, it cleared it up with, you know, from his mouth, it was like the one thing he could take away. The positive was that his dad saw him play the last game, you know? And in that moment, um, at that time, I could only imagine that that would be enough to be able to walk away and be comfortable with it. You know, yeah, yeah. I I think that that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Like he was kind of thinking about it, and he was leaning towards it, and I mean, just the sh- just the sheer uh, ego to think like I haven't played baseball since I was seventeen, but I'm the best basketball player in the world. I could probably just play baseball is something else, <laughs> yeah, but. Um, to to even consider that and just be like, I'm going to step away from this. And you kind of saw the reasons why. Uh, and then I think that his dad passing away was just kind of like the forget all this basketball stuff. I just want to go play baseball. So let's talk about playing baseball. All right. Um, went to the White Sox, coincidentally enough, owned by Jerry. your boy, Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf, yep. Um, went to Double A, which is unheard of for a 31 year old who decided just to play baseball a couple months ago <laughs> and hasn't played in 14 years uh and of course up, of Tebow? course his manager was jerry francona yeah i mean wild right i just he he came on and it was like michael jordan's minor league manager i was like of course this this makes total sense that like the most media friendly uh baseball manager of recent years, at least, right? Everybody loves Terry Francona. Of course, he was the manager. It just felt right. If you were <laughs> writing this script, that would be fit in. And again, are we living in a simulation, Marlo? Marlo, I think this is evidence of yes, we are, because <laughs> that is too coincidental. Very it wasn't strong just, evidence. It wasn't just like some guy who's been there for thirty years and never moved on. It was Terry freaking Francona. Unbelievable. Um, so that was great. <laughs> um. I guess the thing that struck me was he comes out on fire, right? 13-game hit streak. People are throwing mm-hmm. fastballs. All of a sudden, they <laughs> learn that there's this thing called a breaking ball, and the ball <laughs> moves a little bit differently. That's yeah. why I you know, stopped playing baseball in seventh <laughs> grade <laughs> when people learned that you just didn't throw it as hard as you could every time. And then I was like, yeah, yep. I'm done. I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. Um, they learned that and started throwing that to him. And it was a struggle, and then they talk about his work ethic, which we get to later in the episode, but just the ability for him to come in and work on baseball with the same passion he worked on basketball was 
pretty endearing to see. Endearing is not the right word. Pretty encouraging to see. Yeah, and, and him being, I also think that uh, with that, it's like him humbling himself again, right? Like he's not mm. not the best, knows it. He's older. Um, people, are, you know, people are gonna take shots at him, but he, you know, was be, like willing to put in just as more, if not more, just as much, if not more, work into baseball. When I mean, in the, at the end of the day, he didn't really have anything to prove, you know? Right. Um, and I always thought that was, yeah, the the bigger part of of him playing baseball. And yeah, I I, I don't know if you've seen the um, this kind of blurred in with because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that I mean they just use the same footage, but they, there's a thirty for thirty Jordan rides the bus. I don't know if you saw it, but it, I haven't. To, I, sh- I don't know why I I haven't. Yeah, so it's obviously all about his Birmingham days. Um, yeah, yeah, and so that was. But again, yeah, just reiterate. That's good if you want to check it out. I I would say yeah, check it out. It's, it's another good thirty for thirty. Um, but yeah, that 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 work ethic part, <laughs> the thirteen game hit street, and then I I was why what it took so I guess again it was ninety four whatever. Maybe they just have the same technology. Like why did that start earlier than thirteen games? <laughs> we didn't see start throwing a breaking yeah. ball. But um, but that be said, it's still pretty amazing. I mean, even at uh leaving at 30 and going the double and getting like a hit. I still think that's still remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think that the, it's weird to think I'm trying to conceptualize the humbling of Michael Jordan, how real that was. Cause in my mind, like that makes sense. And maybe that the, the 30 for 30 sheds a little bit more light on that, but he definitely seemed like he wanted to be one of the guys. He definitely yeah. seemed like he wanted to just step out of limelight, be a normal human for a little bit. Uh, and I think baseball allowed him to do that. And that was the next thing I want to talk about is how was, how baseball was good for him. And uh, this was the next part of the documentary. Um, and there was definitely that kind of being a kid again. One of the guys, he got it. He wasn't the leader of the team, right? He wasn't striving to make everybody better although i'm sure he was doing that with his work ethic and his you know uh his drive that he has but he wasn't like the focal point of the team you know he was a struggling outfielder who yeah. made a lot of mistakes and couldn't hit a curveball <laughs> um and it was just really interesting at that point of his life was what he'd been through to I mean, the, the documentary kind of described it as being good for him and, and him being able to take this time away from basketball and kind of reorient himself was really interesting to kind of think about. Yeah, I think they could, uh, the way they shaped it was just taking his mind off of everything that just happened, his dad and then basketball, um, and just being able to get away from it all and just, you know, do what he wants to do, uh, which, you know, I, I guess makes weight. I didn't... I guess I, I didn't get the feel, or they didn't. I didn't feel like they included my our friend Michael in that narrative uh, directly yeah. from him. So I don't That's know true. how much yep. how much we did. I don't know. I don't know how much I buy that as more of a as true narrative. But you no, know, they did a good job of painting that picture. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Ian, that's a good point. I, I didn't. I didn't notice that. Um, and I guess I was kind of putting myself in that, not in that position, but in a, like, I'm doing this thing. Baseball is great for 
kind of distracting yourself, right? It's so much routine. It's so much, you know, doing the same thing every day, developing a new routine, um, that it seems like that makes sense, right? That you could get lost in it and the improvement. But you're right. There wasn't anything from Michael saying that. Interesting. So that was baseball. He did yeah. okay. Did all right. Was it, said, was it like 202, over yeah, 50 RBI, something like that? Yeah, hit above 200. Um, yeah. yeah, 51 RBIs, I think it was. Uh, I saw a thing on Twitter that compared Tebow's stats to Jordan's stats, and Tebow's were better. Uh, <laughs> but he also, you know, was also younger and had played baseball more recently. Anyway, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> there was, was it Reinsdorf who said, uh, if he kept at it, he probably would have made the pros? Yeah, it was. It was right. So he said he had no doubt in his mind if 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 he had been blown that he would be on a major league roster. So Reinsdorf also continued to pay Jordan his basketball contract while playing baseball. So even though he was one of the guys, he was still getting paid like three <laughs> three million dollars a year, which today seems ludicrous. Which is sports contracts are so much different nowadays than they were then. But uh, I think it was paying him three million dollars a year to play minor league baseball. I so at first. I, I saw that and I was like, gambling conspiracy. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's clearly just suspended. But then I thought about it and it's like um, <laughs> the, the Col- it, we have a very, a much more recent example of this. Uh, the Colts paid Andrew Luck like all of his bonus money, right? When he retired, they just gave him bonus money. They didn't yeah. like legally have to give him. They did that on the off chance that he comes back to play football. They want him to play for the Colts. They want to piss him off. Right. So Reinsdorf yep. kept paying him money because just in case he wanted to play basketball again, he'd be like, "Well, I should probably go play for the Bulls. They've been paying me three million dollars a year for the last <laughs> year and or however long it would be to play baseball." Uh, so, like in my mind, my like point. my conspiracy theories bells were going off, and then I was like, "Wait, there's a much more reasonable explanation for this." Uh, he just wanted to come back and play basketball for him again, <laughs> uh, and that makes way more sense. Reinsdorf comes off so weird in this. In what way? He seems so benevolent and uh-huh. almost f- to a foolish extent. <laughs> but he's presumably a smart businessman. He owns the Bulls and White Sox and presumably made a bunch of money doing something else. Yeah. I feel like that's like, I mean, he's on. He's getting on the older side. And I feel like... The way he's talking about is in like that old man matter of fact, of course, this is why it is, because I said so. Um, Granted, this is the first time I see him talk in probably since the, I don't know, yeah, probably since a few years after the whole thing broke up. Um, You probably heard him talk about the White Sox on the World Series, but that was still 15 years ago now? So 15 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, don't mind me. So, um... But yeah, no, I get your. I I I, I could I could see that for you because I, I kind of was when like the first couple episodes and he was talking. I'm like, what is what's going on with him? <laughs> what's yeah. he doing? And I've been trying to figure it out the whole time. And I guess like because his whole thing is loyalty, right? Like he's yeah. like, you do right by me, I'll do right by you, and I'll pay you forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna fire anybody, which I guess is a somewhat honorable trait. Not if you're on a sports team, but um, so that kind of makes sense. It just he just 
I don't I don't get it. I don't get him. <laughs> I don't get <laughs> what he's going for in his interviews. He just seems like he it almost seems like he like has his team by happenstance and he's just happy to be there <laughs> and isn't really trying to run an organization. It's so strange and obviously it's all hindsight, but even when he was giving the interview when Jordan retires, he's just like, I'm happy for Michael Jordan, which I guess it's a press conference and that's what he's saying. But like your most valuable freaking asset is retiring. You're sure he's going to go play for your baseball team, but that's not the same. It just, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what I expected out of him, but it's just, I'm not getting whatever it was that I expected. Um, so, all right. So Jordan, anyway, that was a side rant. Um, Jordan playing baseball. All right. So we end episode seven with kind of a, a reflection on Michael Jordan, the character. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... It starts out with is a bad game. It was game. It was game one. It was game one of uh, the playoffs against the Nets, which they squeaked by winning in overtime. And everybody was on alert because Michael just had, or the team had a bad game, yeah. and they were all on eggshells around Michael Jordan. Uh, and taking the brunt of this was Scotty Burrell, <laughs> and. We saw a little bit of Scotty on the plane. It was a little confusing because they call him Scotty and Scotty Pippen Scotty. So uh, it took me a little bit to kind of realize who they're talking about. Um, but we saw him on the plane in an earlier episode being just embarrassed by M, <laughs> as he calls him, uh, about, about going out too much. Um, and they lead in this is Jordan a nice guy thing about him just roasting Scotty Burrell. And to this day, Jordan says, is he Scotty's a talented guy. He was just missing commitment, determination, <laughs> and, and seriousness. <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> was a really good basketball player. Uh, and they go into it, and he's laying on Scotty Burrell, and uh, I think Scotty was just an example of how Michael could be. And my God, I could not handle that. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I would wilt <laughs> so fast. Uh, I was I was wondering that when I was watching you. Not about you specifically, but now you bring it up, I, I go back and put my <laughs> just think of <laughs> just think of Casey out in the court with Michael Jordan's teammate. Yeah, oh my god! And, and Michael says something to Casey. And Casey's like, "I'm just gonna go home." Um, Is there like a place I can cry real quick? <laughs> that, just curl up. Is that fine? Oh man, but yeah, I I don't know. That's yeah, I th- oh, I don't even I I guess these are one of the things about where they always tell you don't like don't ever meet your heroes. Uh, this is one of them. It's because they're like a person like Jordan. And I forgot who said it best. Was like, was he a nice? He was. I think it was uh, was it Will Purdue? <laughs> like yeah, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't nice. He was an asshole. He was a tyrant, but. He had to be because all he wanted to do was win, and I yeah. guess that's like it's part of the equation. Uh, the Burrell was that was a very that was a very well like drawn out with the Burrell, and you're like, why is he on this guy? Like, who is this guy? Who's the Scotty Burrell? Um, you know, Jordan, and then Jordan put it out just like <laughs> like like just like you explained it. Um, they had other clips of, of him tying up, but like you said, he needed he knew he needed him later, and that was his that was his motivation tactic. You know. 
And I think, yeah, it was Jordan that says, like, if you don't, like, yeah, if you don't like it, then you probably don't, you probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. Which, another fantastic Jordan quote, which I think you allude to, uh, this one had a bunch of them, these two episodes had a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was another fantastic one. Yeah. So they, so they teased the, <laughs> is Jordan nice? Um, and they had, they had a, then they went back to the Bulls without Jordan. Yeah. Right. What's, what's. What's the culture like without Jordan? How's how are things going with the Pippin led Bulls? And everybody's just like, it was it was really nice. <laughs> it was really good. It was really like it was, it was it was different. Scotty was very nurturing and encouraging. He's helping you up <laughs> off the ground. Instead put of your arm around you. Yeah. It was so funny. We had nobody. Yeah. Uh, Scotty says we had nobody yelling at us. They got plenty. Of, they got up plenty of shots. <laughs> they got plenty of shots. Scotty wasn't a scorer; he was a facilitator. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that I also cool. didn't realize. So, uh, Bulls without Jordan, nineteen ninety three. They do pretty well, right? Yes. They make the pl- mm-hmm. they, they make the playoffs, uh, win the first round. Tony Kukoc arrives, and what interesting timing for Tony Kukoc to arrive. Um, again, not saying it's a conspiracy or anything, but. <laughs> Jordan Pippen freaking hated this guy because of Jerry Krause. Jordan quits and Kukoc comes that year. That the timing in my mind, he just Jordan Kukoc are intertwined. Like it's, I didn't yeah. realize he came the year that Jordan wasn't there and kind of was able to get acclimated to the NBA without Jordan. Because I think if Jordan's there, he just crushes him. Yeah, and he goes back to Europe <laughs> and Croatia. makes millions of dollars more. Goes back to Croatia and plays. In Europe, because um, Jordan's not going to put up with his shitty defense that he played. Yeah, um, I just thought that was interesting. I know. So they're down. So they're playing the Knicks, right? Yep. This is the big Scotty Pip. This is the most, aside from winning championships with Michael Jordan, the most famous Scotty Pip moment. They're down. Mm. Just set the stage. Down two to the Knicks. There's two seconds left to go in the game, tie game. Scotty, the play doesn't go to Scotty. Phil draws up a play for Tony Kukoc to take the shot. Scotty Pippen doesn't go in. Marlo, your thoughts? Yo, this is that's, this is Scotty's legacy, man. Uh, that was I don't know. It was a, I mean, it was a low time. It was a low time for Scotty. I think, and as a kid, it was it's uh, why, why didn't you know why didn't Scotty go in? <laughs> and that, I think the I think the best part about that moment, watching that moment, was looking back and having like grown ups, like listening to grown ups trying to explain it to me as a kid, yeah. and knowing what they were trying to say as an adult. So that message of Pippen just he quit on his team. He's a crybaby. He needs to go. And it was like, and then listening to Pippen talk about through the moment, um, which you know he is, it was wrong. He still was. He always was wrong, but. He's. I think he's more lucky that it worked out than anything. Yeah. If if Tony doesn't hit that shot and they lose that game or series, like that's it's an even worse moment. Uh, but I think that's the part it gets it gets buried a little bit. But besides the point, low point for Scotty. Low point for I think you know kids like myself who were you know riding on the Bulls train after Jordan and obviously Scotty was the man that we were all, you know all paying attention to uh, sure. at that point. So. Yeah, I yeah. knew they were going to get to it at some point. Um, yeah, it's just just a low point for Scotty. I honestly didn't know that Tony Kukoc made the shot. Like that was almost 
inconsequential to him him sitting out. And I, to an extent, I get it. Right, like yeah. it's he's the guy. It's his team now. He should get the shot. But it's not like Michael took every shot. Michael took lots of shots. But like we have the Paxton shot from the first three people. We have the Kerr shot. You know, yeah. Jordan was often the one taking the shot, but he wasn't always. Um, and for Scotty in this moment to go like, I need to be the one taking the shot. It's not a great look. I like that he still said, I, I, for whatever reason, I like that he's just like, I, if it happened again, I'd probably do it again. And just like stands by being wrong. Yeah. I don't know why. Just take but it, I, man. I like, I like that he stuck with it and he didn't go like, oh, I probably should have gone in. And it's not like he was just like a, a dummy. He was inbounding the ball, which is not making the shot, but that's an important part, important part of it. Um, the other thing, besides from Kukoc actually making the shot that I, I think I knew but like just didn't connect uh, that that happened, uh, the dunk over Ewing happened yes. after that. <laughs> yes. Which I don't. I just don't think I remembered where that fit into the whole Scottie Pippen story. Um, but the fact that that doesn't happen, they win the game anyway. They have the whole locker room falling out, Bill Cartwright speech. Um, they have all of that. And then he just demolishes Patrick Ewing. Um, <laughs> it's amazing that that happened after that. Uh, I, it was crazy. I don't know. It was so cool. It, it was like almost in somewhat changing of Scottie Pippen in that moment to a more aggressive Scottie Pippen because he made this mistake and had to make up for it and like had a chip on his shoulder now. And then has like his, I think his signature moment, right? Yeah, dunk it on Ewing, absolutely. So. Great, all right. <laughs> yeah, so Pippen, Pippen's nice, he sits. He sits, back Different. to 98. Back into 98. Back to Jordan talk, back to is he nice. Uh, so we had game one, they went back to 93, and this is where the documentary get, got, got me a little bit jumbled, Marla, I apologize. Yeah. Um, talk about game two versus Nets happens, whatever. Game three, Scotty Brill comes up big. Jordan is rewarded for treating him like, rewarded for treating him like shit, yeah. I guess. Has like a 23-point game, something like that. I, um, has a big game. And they ask BJ Armstrong, who's been fantastic. In this documentary, absolutely fantastic. Uh, if Jordan's a nice guy, and which is a weird question, just in general, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this the pause he has, where he's just like he takes a couple seconds to think about it, is just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to think that long about it, you're trying to say, "How do I say no in the nicest, <laughs> in way, nicest way possible?" Way. Where Jordan so he, will come back and kick my ass. Yeah, yeah. Where he won't make this another friggin' slight. Yeah, I don't. I say this. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, and then this leads to, I think, what is my favorite part of this whole documentary, where Jordan just talks about his winning mentality, where he talks about why he was an asshole to everybody, why that he led by example, didn't do anything anybody else. He didn't ask anybody to do anything he didn't want to do. How he was raising his teammates. All of that talk was the best part of this documentary. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And that's, that's a very like hard look into the mind of, of our friend Michael and what it was like to be his teammate. Like it was, we always see the highlights. We see him winning. And I, I believe this goes for a lot of, a lot of sports stars, but you see that. And, but just what it took <laughs> to be able to, be able to play with them right to be able to be a teammate them like you had yeah. to, you, you had to take this stuff because he wasn't going to accept anything less and it was freaking the montage was awesome i agree with that that was pretty awesome yeah and just just the gord the jordan quote side i mean winning has a price and leadership has a price so i pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled i challenged people that didn't want to be challenged and i earned that right because my teammates came after me they didn't endure all the things I had to endure. And they show him just getting the shit kicked out of him again. <laughs> and, like, going through that. And then he just kind of goes, it means I have to get in, your, get in there and get in your ass a little bit? Then I did that. <laughs> when people see this, they're going to say, he was a nice guy. He may have been a tyrant. Oh, it's just his, the way he says this. Oh, well, that's you because you never won anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Amazing! I just I, I, I rewound it and wrote it down because it, it was so great. And then he just ends it with, "If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way." <laughs> Episode ends. <Damn. laughs> I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit! Where's the wall I can run through?" <laughs> <laughs> but don't yell at me. But I'm with you. Don't yell yeah, at me. But yeah. I'm with you. It was, it was fan- that was the best. That was just like that summed up the Jordan mentality. The just kind of the um. How he brought his mentality to it, and yeah, it was insane, and yeah, it was tough, but he freaking won, <laughs> and it was. Uh, I don't know. That was that was amazing. Just that that winning talk was was so cool and terrifying it, to think that like maybe some people's bosses are out there watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I was thinking that too. I'm so, gonna learn from. I'm gonna learn from this. Yeah, some middle management managers out there just as pumped as you are, Casey, ready to like get in someone's ass at work uh, on Monday today. Okay. And I feel I feel really bad for them because <laughs> they're not Michael Jordan, but they're going to try to be. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was episode seven. Uh, episode eight starts with Charlotte. But before that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This is where you can be sponsors right now. This could be you. <clears throat> in 98... Against Charlotte, um, and I, first round player, second round players, second round, second, second round. round. Uh, this was after after the the net series. Uh, they're facing the four seed Charlotte Hornets. Um, God, love those mid ninety Charlotte colors, though. Yeah, those are those are that was absolutely awesome. fantastic. Forgot um, they were good. You know, or probably at least playoff good. I, um, yeah, um, but. I guess the real only story story of the series, and it leads into kind of some of some other MJ stuff. Was uh, BJ Armstrong having his moment? BJ now on Charlotte, uh, and they had totally forgot a moment. about that. Uh, he did have a moment. <laughs> did have a moment. Uh, I don't honestly didn't even remember he was ever not on the Bulls. <laughs> Agreed, but. It, at that moment, uh, out outshone, kind of outshone Michael. At least out out closed him in in it, whatever game of the series it was. Doesn't matter really because the Bulls game went two. on to win. But he had a little moment game two, he kind of chirped yeah. at the Bulls bench, and Michael Jordan 
took it extremely personally. Um, as we find out, he did everything, and he in the interview said, "I thought BJ would have known better." <laughs> that was yeah, another fantastic and, quote. And then they, they they close out the series, and that brought us in uh, to Michael Jordan makes up slights. <laughs> this has been kind of a, a prevailing story, but uh, throughout throughout the documentary. But I think the best one was apparently. Have you ever heard of Bradford Smith? Never heard of him. They asked, and everybody, aside from the Bradford Smith and his family, and maybe some old Bullets fans, said, <laughs> "Who?" <laughs> And as a rookie, apparently, uh, if you didn't see the doc, if you didn't see the doc, why the heck are you listening to the doc? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he had 37 points against Michael Jordan and may have said, nice game, Mike, after the game. So I, I was confused by this, Marlo. Did he say this or didn't he say? Did Jordan just make it up? I'm unclear on this. I was unclear on it, too. I'm still at the ilk that he had to say something. Because uh, they were like, I, I guess did. I guess he didn't even have to say something because he did score thirty-seven, and that's really he did awesome. score thirty-seven, and he yeah. might have said nice game, but the, I think maybe Jordan embellished on, on right. uh, the way in which he said it. But uh, so it's back to back. So they're Washington's playing in Chicago. They're flying on a plane back to Washington to play the Bullets again. Right? They were the Bullets still at that time. They were still the Bullets. Yep. Yeah. Um, and. Jordan makes it a point to say he got that in the game. I'm going to get that in the first half, essentially. And he does that. He scores 36 points in the first half, and they crush Washington. And, like, years later, still knows who LeBradford Smith is and is, I want to say up in arms. Up in arms is the right word, but he's still holding this grudge. He still knows this (laughs) moment and can recall it. And he's won six championships and owned a basketball team for years and still knows this story. Yeah. And I think this, I mean, it's a common theme that where this, this kind of episodes put the cherry on top of it. I, I was going to say even before I made a note before these episodes to like bring up like how many times people have been like, Oh man, I wish they wouldn't have said that. Oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Or, oh man, I wish my teammate didn't say that. Cause then Jordan would just come back and yeah. this, um, yeah, so Bradford Smith is just—it just seems so. I don't know, out of nowhere, story, yeah. but it's just yeah, it's like it's just, I guess it's just to prove like how many one of many of what he doesn't forget, and then to your point, like even now, even now, like the passion he talks about it with is still like he still holds it as a slight. Twenty yeah. years later, still hasn't still hasn't let it go. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to put a pin in, in the slight talk because I want, I want to bring it up a little bit later when we talk about the finals um, Yeah, coming okay. up. So um, <clears throat> they cut back. Uh, so just a little tease on the slights there. And they win the Charlotte series. BJ Armstrong had his moment, but then it was gone. Um, I felt a little good for him, but maybe that's just because he's so good in the interviews in this that I was like, good for BJ Armstrong. Um, so then we go back to 1995, Marlo. Baseball's on strike, and I thought they did a really interesting job of at least putting the thought in my brain, what if the strike doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. Does he just keep playing baseball? Mm-hmm. And that seems somewhat, at least it's portrayed as being somewhat possible. Yeah. 
but the strike definitely. Well, first of all, I didn't realize. I don't remember. I remember the strike happening because I was baseball wasn't on, and baseball just was on in the summer. That's what happened um, until twenty twenty. Until twenty, and until so just striking out or a pandemic. Um, but. I didn't remember they tried to use replacement players or do like the whole crossing the picket line thing. Uh, I didn't remember that at all. I just thought it didn't happen, and then they did the bridge season. Yeah, I agree. I didn't remember the. I don't remember the. The pick of uh, the uh, replacement player part, uh, and I can't. Was that just for minor leagues or was that major leagues as well? I'm assuming that was for all divisions, well, but. It doesn't make sense. It seemed, yeah, it seemed like like a spring training thing. I think is the yeah. way it was portrayed. Um, but it might have been just just minor leagues. But uh, it was, yeah. So I think almost <laughs> baseball. I don't know if baseball messed up because I don't know how big of a. I mean, Michael Jordan's obviously draw for like Birmingham or whatever. Yeah. But like for the whole of baseball, I don't know how big of a draw that was. Uh, but it definitely seemed like that the strike occurred was at least one thing that pushed Michael Jordan back to basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he had some pancakes with BJ Armstrong, some little yeah. pancakes. <laughs> have little pancakes with Michael Jordan with Michael. Yeah. Michael, you know, what are you well, doing, what Mike? Us, what us friends do? Yep. Uh, and then he's like, "Come hang out and uh, come practice with us." And then he goes back practices, and oh, shoot, I forgot who said it, but somebody's like, "It feels different." It practice today. It feels different in the gym. What's going on? And Ron Harper just says, the man is here. <laughs> <laughs> and the atmosphere, the culture completely changed back, changes back. He sends out a fax. Wait, hold the, on, go back. Oh, 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 oh. Hold on. But like, I got to so, myself. Yeah, yeah. To go, like, to go to that point, like he just starts showing up at practice. Okay, I guess it's... Oh, good I, point. Yeah, yeah. I my wonder is like... Is that can you do that or could you yeah. can you do that now? Could you do that then? Where you just have people show up and start practicing with the team? Like is that can you just do that? Yeah, is that a- I I thought the same thing. You're right. Um, I don't think it would be competitive advantage if I showed up to practice. <laughs> but I think if Michael Jordan shows up to your practice, that could be construed as a competitive advantage. <laughs> yeah, and. With so there are, I, I thought about this. There are league tampering rules. I would imagine him practicing with your team would be considered a form of. But he's not on a team, so right. can you tamper with an unaffiliated player? But he's under contract by Jerry Ryan. Very confusing. Yeah, probably. Very, my, was just, they just they, they didn't even like touch that. They just like yeah, Michael just starts short with the practice. Like it's a freaking AAU practice where anyone can just come yeah. and like play. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely glossed over it, and I definitely had a million questions about it. And <laughs> I have even more now that I'm, I'm talking about it with you. And he just showed, they're like, oh, you practiced three times this week. And it's like, what? He's <laughs> <Like>, not <laughs> part of the team. It's like, <laughs> and I guess there's no comparable situation, right? There's no comparable situation where a player who w- would be able to be on the team is practicing with the team. Right. Like... Cause in in theory, the pros, they, if that's the case, like he could, like, he could have just went on like a tour and started practicing with teams. And be like, you know, what? I'm just going to play with this team instead. I just, yeah, I don't know. It, that I just, uh, that was weird. I I didn't know it went down that way, and I just thought that's just, it just seems strange. Like, yeah, I'm just going to show up and practice with the team. It's fine. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's it's totally normal. We're fine. We're friends. Uh, sure, Phil Jackson. It's like it almost feels like um like a recruiting thing, like in college. Yeah. Like yeah. obviously there are rules against this in college because you can't just like practice. Well, I say obviously because that's the way college works. <laughs> obviously, obviously there's rules about this because it's college basketball. Uh, not that they're correct or logical, but like there's clearly rules against just. You know, players practicing with recruits and things, and this is this feels like that, but it's professional, so it doesn't really work. I don't know. Yeah, that was really bizarre. Um, and then I guess he gets bitten by the basketball bug and decides to come back and sends out the facts. The facts that just I'm says, back. "I'm back. I'm back." Which is so. Do you false. have an "I'm back" T-shirt? I had one of those "I'm back" T-shirts. No, I. I I wanted. I would be the guy who has the "Welcome Back" mic sign that is printed out on office office paper. Yeah, like the like the "It is your birthday" from the office. <laughs> Just like <laughs> "Welcome Back" mic on copy paper. That'd be yeah. nice. <laughs> I had that. I had that hanging up in my room. "Welcome Back" mic that I printed out <laughs> on my home office computer. Um, my home office computer. That doesn't make sense. I guess it does it in 2020, but it wouldn't have in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> So when they come back, so they we they portray the Bulls being fine without Michael, right? They're in, in the, the playoffs. Season. Yeah. In the first season. They're um making the playoffs. Were they in the conference finals or second round? I don't remember. It was, se- it was semifinals, yeah. Semifinals. Now they're struggling. They're 34 31. The sheen has come off on the team. They attribute this to Horace Grant no longer being on the team, mm-hmm. which I think, in hindsight, I way undervalued Horace Grant in yeah. his role in the Bulls and his ability as a basketball player. I think it's mainly because of the goggles. <laughs> it's 100% because of the goggles. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes to Orlando, and they... So Jordan comes... Okay, I think I might have stepped over a little... Uh, Jordan comes back. Obviously a huge phenomenon. Um... Number 43, or 45, 45. excuse me, Marlo. Yep. Tornacy's gone, 45's back. It was, how did you feel about this? I thought it was weird. The 45? But, Definitely strange. But the only, the only reason tw- 23 matters, or any numbers in basketball to me matter, is because Michael Jordan wore 23. <laughs> no other number in basketball means anything to me. Kobe Bryant is eight and twenty-four. That's I'm off the top of my head. Shaq wore thirty-two. What other numbers mean stuff? What do do other numbers of basketball mean anything? Real wore thirty-four. Didn't really mean anything. Yeah, no. I see you're saying yeah. Twenty-three synonymous with Michael Jordan. And now people wore twenty-three because Jordan wore. It's like number. Yeah. So. So anyway, so it's like it's weird in hindsight because like twenty three is so significant and important because it's Michael Jordan's number and therefore has greater significance in basketball. But I remember coming back and being forty five and being like, "Oh, cool, forty five, a new Jordan number." Uh, but now watching it, still weird. In the documentary, yeah, it's weird. It looks weird. I agree. I agreed then. Forty five never looked right. Uh, then it looks even weirder now. I agree with that. Uh, it's just, yeah, you think Michael Jordan, you think 23. 4-5 just never made sense. So, I thought 
in my memory, that he wore that that season and came back the following season with 23. Oh, no. Oh, was I oh, mistaken? No. You were wrong. He switched it mid-playoff series yep. because Nick Anderson mm-hmm. said 45's not 23. Yeah. Like, oh, just kidding. I'm 23, Ian. Amazing. Amazing that, I mean, that just shows you the level in which he was tuned, I think. It shows you the level in which he was tuned in and what other people were saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I, in God, I remember that, like, I remember that quote and I remember, cause I remember that circling around him going back to 23 and I remember being like, at that point in time and like, Ooh, this is it. Michael's 23. It's over. We're going to come back, win the series, win the championship. Cause up until this point, I've never seen Michael Jordan lose a series. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or remember him losing a series. Um. Yeah, so I remember that, that changed that number, and that was that was like Superman put. That was like Car Clinton putting the Superman costume back on, right? Yeah, like this. This is it. This is where everything changes. Everything to be back, and obviously that wasn't the case. Um, with them losing that playoff, that playoff run to. Um, I'm surprised Shaq wasn't in this at all. By the way, uh, losing to the Orlando Magic, Horace Grant, and company. Um, but that was. I remember that being devastating. Rewatching it brought brought up kid emotions as well. Being devastating, watching Michael Jordan lose a series for the first time in memory. Yeah, yeah. I I almost for I don't want to say I forgot, but like I don't calculate that in like the run, right? Like that yeah. doesn't count. Like, and I think they didn't. I don't want to say a good job of excusing it. Because they did. Well, they, they excused it because he was in baseball shape and not basketball shape. And that makes absolute sense. But um, at the same time, he still lost to a relatively loaded Orlando yeah. team. And I think this is, we kind of, often when we think about the players who didn't get rings because of Jordan uh, or the teams that Jordan got in the way of, right, of of, of them having their own success this Orlando team should be pretty close to the top. Um, when we think about it, I think it's often forgotten. This Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson, she- young Shaq, sure, but still Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal, who was a force um, even at this as young Shaq. Um, what a formidable team. Um, <clears throat> and, and to really they got past him this one year, and then we'll see that they, they get past him the next year. Um but talking about the 45 not being mat- natural, Marlo, uh, it was r- really weird watching that game one uh, where Jordan blows it. Yep. He has come up every time, every game. I've said every game, but, you know, whatever. When it matters most, Jordan has come up. And in game one, gets stripped by Nick Anderson and then throws the ball away instead of taking the shot. Just so un MJ. And then he makes the switch. It was It was crazy. Um, and then just the fact that he lost to Horace Grant mm-hmm. seemed pretty personal. Yeah. But that was a – the way I understood it, the organization just let him – they didn't extend his contract. They let him walk. They they presumably let him go to free agency, right? And he got a right, deal. Yeah. Yep. But they probably could have extended it and kept him. But they – you know, Jerry Cross being Jerry Cross probably didn't. I read this is me reading into it. Probably didn't value Horace Grant enough, and then I can't imagine going against that. So you got Horace Grant and Shaquille O'Neal 
And you got like Luke Longley on the and team? Pe- <laughs> and Penny. Penny was there. No, and Penny, but I'm talking about like Biggs. Yeah. Right, right. You know, you yeah, know, you're like, let's run out yeah. Luke Longley against these guys. It's like yeah, Luke not- Longley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, I want to say, yeah, Luke Longley got Ku Coach. Ku Coach who never played defense. That's kind of mm-hmm. your bigs. I was Will Purdue there at the time. It wasn't going to work. Not that's not that's not working against Horace Grant and, and Shaq. So yep. just I mean Underman there. Um so let's Orlando, only time we see Jordan lose since the Pistons. Right in 90, 1990, which was weird. And then great interview with this trainer where he's just like all right, you know, let me know when you you want to get back at it, man. I'm just let me know. And he's like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, yeah, Trader got choked up with that saying that over. He's yeah, like, he's got to get teary eyed of that one. It's like, okay, Mike's back. So in the off season, Mike's back, but he's got to shoot this pesky movie <laughs> called Space Jam, uh, formal movie of our childhood, Marlo. Yes. Um, now black on I Netflix. Mean, it's back. It's does it hold up? It doesn't really stand the test of time. But that's uh, don't take that away from the kids. Yeah, no. I've seen movies stand up worse, but it's it's not great. <laughs> I'm scared for Space Jam too. Um, oh jeez! But uh, it was it was really interesting. Um, just to so you see him on set, and he's like, I just think you can understand why it's not the great video when you see Michael Jordan like being crowded by men in green suits, and he's like <laughs> holding the ball, and you're like, what in the hell am I watching? <laughs> this is gonna be a movie with Bugs Bunny. I don't understand. And on paper, it sounds great and fascinating, but then you like try to think out the logistics. Like this is gonna suck. So I'm amazed it turned out as well as it did. That's where I landed on that, Marlo. Um, but Jordan wanted to. He was focused now, right? He was yep. sponsored from the playoffs. They built a Jordan Dome for him to play. It was like a field house yeah. for him to play hoops in. And he got the best and the brightest basketball players out there to play pickup games against Jordan at uh, Warner Brothers Studios. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, the, so we train in the morning, shoot, play pickup, train at night. Um, and part of the training was playing pickup games. And just the... I mean, the people that they had on, that you can see on camera, was like uh, Reggie Miller, yeah, uh, Dennis Rodman. I could see some, uh, who am I missing? I saw some others in there, but yeah, John yeah, Howard was, like, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Dwan Howard, yeah, Dwan Howard. But yeah, that was that had to be so cool. Um, if you were able to sneak in that bubble and just watch these play, like watch these guys just play basketball for three hours and pick up games. Well, what's so frustrating about it, Marlo, is that um, they're on freaking Warner Brothers' lot. Yeah. They had ample video recording equipment (laughs) (laughs) just lying around. And the fact that they were like, let's get like five good minutes of this. Yeah. And never thought like, hey, this will be really interesting for somebody to see someday is baffling <laughs> they were just like let's set up cameras and just record this because uh yeah we we mentioned a couple of names and i want to go back through it and check it out and see who else was there but i mean 
people are coming down to play pickup against Michael Jordan in the offseason. And we see this happen, you know, to this day, right? Where people, yeah. you know, uh, basketball players in the offseason play pickup games. And we've heard, you know, a lot, a lot about LeBron's pickup games and stuff um, in LA. I just want to watch those. Why aren't there cameras in those? I should be able to watch those. I'm just so sports deprived. Yeah. Now. I just want I know. I just want to, the only time you really see is when like LeBron and Carmelo go to like LA Fitness and they just want to show that they can take everyone at the gym. Yeah, yeah. threes. But we're actually we're actually really good at this. Um, <laughs> yeah. My other note was that um, <laughs> Reggie Miller was talking about Michael Jordan's ability to work out in the morning, shoot, shoot the movie, and then uh, play basketball, and then whatever. And then he, mm-hmm. he said he was a vampire. And I don't think Reggie Miller knows how vampires work because <laughs> they still they still need to rest and they can't be in the sunlight. Um, so I don't know how he'd be up all day, but whatever, that's fine. It's fine. This is a, another Reggie Miller critique. It's not I, a Reggie Miller doc. Just, uh, Good point, his, though. His, his vampire knowledge. All right. <laughs> all right. The back to the, the nineteen ninety six yeah. season. Um, this is kind of the, the climax of this, this episode. Um, it's a new team. Jordan's back to a new team. He's back. He's 23. New season. Shot a movie. Worked out all off season. He's got a new Got team. his basketball body back. He's got his basketball body back, which is different because you have to have muscle as opposed to baseball where I don't know what muscles you work, but it's not, it's not the ones you actually use. No. <laughs> Because he's like, he's like, you gotta have your chest and your arms and your pecs, and it's like, or I guess checks are pecs, right? And your shoulders, and it's like, what, what baseball muscles were you working out? I don't understand. <laughs> I understand there's a difference, but it was, it, it was kind of like, man, what's the baseball ones? Um, and it was just interesting hearing Jordan talk about his new teammates, right? The Luke Longleys, um, I guess Steve Kerr, right? Um, Will Purdue, I think, yeah, Will was Purdue. in there. Yep. Uh, Kukoc, uh, we're in there and he's, he came into a team and he felt they were riding off the coattails of his previous achievements. And I don't remember the exact contest, but he said, you don't come pussyfooting around. (laughs) And I just freaking love it. (laughs) That that term. And, uh, he thought they were pussyfooting around. And he was going to set them straight. And I was, I was just like, I'm in for this. <laughs> Whatever George's going to do with these poor suckers, <laughs> I'm except for it. Yeah, setting the, setting the tone up for what's you know kind of coming up next. But I thought that was a good point of, hey, yeah, he was walking around like they thought everything was fine. They, they, we talked about last episode how Scotty was, when Scotty was the main man, it was kind of a, a quieter environment. He didn't have that really that time at the end of last season the season before that they lost to go ahead, but now he's coming in the season, setting the tone right away. Um, I was scared for them, and I wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine your Tony Kukoc, you've been in America or the league for a year now, or you're Luke Longley, you're just part of the team, and you're like, hey, this is a nice cohesive unit. Like, we're building yeah. for something here. Yeah. And, like, Jordan just kicks down the door and is like, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Are you ready to work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then just they, they, watch the documentary to hear harsher words he actually would have said. <laughs> yeah. Than that. I didn't want to repeat them here. But just the culture shift, the immediate culture shift would have been amazing. 
Um, and this is, I guess, brought to a spearhead with the Steve Kerr situation. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, Jordan, I don't want to say picked Steve Kerr, that's not fair, but was matched up against Steve Kerr on this fateful day. Um, and Jordan was pushing Kerr, and Phil Jackson, at least in Jordan's perspective, took the side of Steve Kerr, right? And he was calling some, what Jordan described as tiki tack falls, which in Jordan's term, he probably was raking him over the arms, but was a tiki tack foul. Yep. I'm not sure. But he was taking umbrage to this and um, really fouled him. <laughs> and Steve Kerr says, I have a lot of patience as a human being, which I suppose he is. But I tend to snap at a certain point because I'm competitive too, but I'm usually not good enough to back it up. Mm-hmm. And he snapped and he punched Jordan in the chest. And Jordan responded by punching him in the eye. <laughs> and then, like the, um, oh shoot, what's the Will Ferrell movie? I had it. Were there brothers? Step brothers. Step brothers. Were they. I th- the way I see this is he punched him in the eye and then he said, did we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> and then they high five. It's not exactly how it played out, but more or less how it played out. <laughs> yeah. Because Jordan admitted his mistake. Yeah. Came up, uh, swerved his stick, apologized to Kerr, and that made, in Michael's eye, respect Kerr because he went back down. Sir Kerr stood up to him. Jordan beat the shit out of him and pushed him in the eye. <laughs> and then they were best friends. Um, yeah. So now you know. There's a secret. If you want to become friends with Michael, yeah. take a fight. Get punched yeah. in the face. Get punched in the face. Just one time. It's and fine. now you're friends. Now you're friends. Um, it was re- it's obviously the most blatant version of this, but it's definitely like Michael Jordan testing his teammate. He tested Steve Kerr, and Kerr was up to it. And Burrell's up to it in 1993 or whenever the hell that was. Now in this timeline, jumbled timeline. And he he just tested people and they either rose or they didn't. They didn't. They got the hell out of there. If they did, they won championships. Um, so from that, they went into the 70 win season. And Marlo, I've said a lot of good things about the soundtrack on this. Yeah, this was a big this was a big miss Uh-oh. for me. Was it? It was some Step Into Our World song I didn't know. And if it's a 90s song, I don't know. Not great. KRS, not... KRS-One? No. Didn't like it. It was a big oh, miss for me, Marlo. Jesus, dude. Am, no. I, am, I, am I out of bounds here? That was... Oh, way out of bounds. You know what? Did... It was later 90s. It was later... Oh. Yeah, it was later 90s. It wasn't during that time, but I do... the song... The song definitely the resonated with me. Damn. With me. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm wrong. I'm wrong then. <laughs> it just missed, and this, this whole, the whole montage. I was loving the montage. Clearly, I mean, but yeah. the, it wasn't. The it just it just missed. The song missed for me. My bad. I was wrong. <laughs> um, on that, they won seventy seventy two games. Marlo, best regular season ever until uh, the Warriors topped it. Yeah, uh, but did you ahead. see what they did with the trivia? What was the trivia? The trivia was they did uh, it's like the it said the Bulls won oh no their winning percentage for the whole season including playoffs was the best yeah. ever who was second and then they had the Golden State Warriors because they had, 
Oh, because they, they lost more playoff games, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. That was good. It was interesting. They were like, oh, if they would have... Like, are they the best team ever because they, like, lost a couple games in the finals? Uh, it still probably are. Especially, well, the Warriors would have been if they if they won, won the finals. If Draymond Green didn't punch LeBron James in the nuts, uh, they're probably the, probably the best team ever. And, the, yeah. I mean, I, clearly they're third behind the 2019-2020 Milwaukee Bucks if they weren't robbed of a uh, season from the pandemic. We um, also have to consider that, Marlo. I don't know if you've considered hmm. that. I've, I've considered that. Um, <clears throat> I'm still, I, I, I'm a bit dumbfounded that I, I missed on, on this criticizing the song. I, I apologize. I'm wrong. I don't, <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know how to move on from here. Um, but they went to the playoffs. doesn't mean a thing if you don't win a ring. Even had hats made. Hats made for the playoffs to say we need to win the finals or it doesn't mean anything. Um which is having gear made for the play. I guess you have like shirts, like we believe shirts and stuff like that, right? So it's not yeah. out of the realm. It seemed a bit weird, but in hindsight, it's probably not. Uh, they face the magic again, and just discard of the magic. Just discard of them. Just flip them off their shoulders, sweep them. Which is mind blowing. I don't know. It's that was the end of the magic, right? Yeah. That was yeah. That was the end of. I can't, and that was the other, they didn't go into. I don't remember those. I'll go back and look. But yeah, that was the end of Magic. I was wondering if that's your Penny got hurt, but um, uh, mm, maybe. But yeah, no, they just yeah they just they just discarded Magic. But they were still a good squad though. I mean, they had Shaquille, they had Horace still. They were still a good squad. Yeah, Nick Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Sweep, sweep through the Magic. Uh, in the Magic's run, uh, if not the next year. The, Soon Shaq goes to LA and Penny obviously gets hurt at some point and it isn't the same. We didn't look up stats department, we'll get on that. Don't worry about yeah. it. So the magic threat never materializes. And I was watching this and I was thinking, why were we robbed of Rockets Bulls? <laughs> yeah. Cause that if you're looking on paper, right? You're writing a script, right? You're you're thinking about this. The Rockets won back-to-back. And I think just this kind of goes to point how hard it is to go to three finals in a row or to win three finals in a row. But I wanted a Bulls-Rockets. That would have been amazing, and we didn't get it because of the pesky Sonics, but and they're obviously a, a valid team and sh- deserve to be there. I'm not saying they shouldn't have, but like, it would have been really cool to see Bulls Rockets, and that would have just put such an end cap isn't the right word because in the middle of the decade, but like it would have been really neat to see that. We're see to see how many, yeah, and how many like with that run up Michael's championships, two more, one more, even um, would have been yeah, good to see. And then also, we would we would we still have the same Kenny Smith <laughs> if that was the case. If the Bulls got to run into Houston and K. Smith never got his ring, is he on TNT? Is he always talking shit uh, <laughs> to Charles? You never know. These are these are yeah. if you step on a butterfly things. Yeah. Well, it's just yeah because I I think if they, I guess why I want it right is because I want to say well the Bulls would have won those years anyway, and I don't get to prove that because they never played the Rockets because they did they didn't face it face them. Um, 
All right. So, they, but who did, did they face, Marlo? But no, no, then the Seattle Supersonics. Um, thought one, I miss the Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> Just the but fact not that those the, uniforms, the original uniforms, any uniform. The okay. fact that this, the fact that Seattle doesn't exist as a basketball team is ridiculous. It. It just, I don't know, I, I don't know. As a team in a worse market than Seattle, it's crazy that they don't have a team and a crime against basketball. They get to the finals. It's the 72-win Bulls against this, I guess, presumably upstart Seattle team. And it's viewed as the greatest mis- mismatch in NBA Finals history. Which is how I remember it, but... That's the way it, that was. That was Bob Costa said. So it must be true. Must be true. Um, and I had to work out quickly some complicated feelings about George Carl because <laughs> I talk about how I bought a uh, Ray Allen signed jersey. Because you know what, I loved Ray Allen. He was the best player on the Bucks, and George Carl comes into the Bucks and trades him away for freaking <laughs> Gary Payton <laughs> on an expiring. Uh, I had some complicated George Carl emotions to work out, but don't worry, Marla. I was rewarded by some unfavorable cover- coverage of George Carl. Now, I should say, George Carl is probably underrated in the grand scheme of how we think about George Carl as a basketball coach. Because yeah. he's he's probably a top echelon guy overall. But I don't think he's thought of that way. Um, that's probably wrong, but he hurt my team and my feelings, so I don't like him very much. Um, although he went pretty far with him, but whatever, eh, complicated. Um, so first of all, going in the series, another slight, Marlo, another slight, George Carl, Michael Jordan at the same restaurant, small world. George Carl doesn't talk to Michael Jordan. This is walks right past him. A personal attack on Michael Jordan that cannot <laughs> that cannot be made up. And funniest commentary I forget who said this was: if George Carl had come up and said something, whatever he said was the slight. <laughs> like oh, hundred percent. It, 100%. Didn't, it yeah. didn't. This is where it's like: the, did this really happen, or is Michael Jordan making it up in his slights? It doesn't matter what happens. It's a slight to Michael Jordan. <laughs> If George Carl comes over and says, I wish you the best of luck in the finals, you are the greatest basketball player in the world. Slight. It's an honor to compete against you. Slight. And Jordan would have said, can you believe this dude just came over and said this to me? (laughs) Calling me the best basketball player in the world. Are you kidding me? I'm going to show him the best basketball player in the world. He would have just flipped it no matter what happened. So to see him just craft these slights and the craft is like he didn't even say hello we go back to north carolina he knows me just like crafting this slight it was it was perfect like just this felt like a slight you could see from start to finish uh was so hilarious um and then george carl in the series we should say uh basketball things happen bulls go up 3-0 and this is back when they did 2-3-2 right so it was two in chicago Three in Seattle, two back in Chicago. Um, so the Bulls win the first two in Chicago and they win the first one in Seattle. So the series is over. 
And George Carl decides to finally put his best defensive player, Gary Payton, on Michael Jordan. It took him to game three <laughs> to do, to do <laughs> Down this. Down 3-0. Yep. His, his defense, I guess, if you want to call it that, is we wanted to conserve your energy on the offensive end. It's just, just defend the best player in the world with your best defender. How hard is this? You would think so. You would think that'd be the first thing in, uh, <laughs> that you would do. But if it wasn't the first thing, I think it'd be the first thing you do after going down 2-0. And then you would think it'd be the first thing you do after going 3-0, but that wasn't the case. So essentially we're saying all respect to Jaros Carl, but we probably could have been NBA coaches in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. We are available to hire NBA yes. uh, teams. Um, we would put Gary Payton on Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, I just, uh, unbelievable. I think, I don't, I don't need to go into George Carl Bucks things. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the best one of the funniest parts of this episode was Gary Payton talking about how you just need to wear Michael Jordan now. Yeah. And that's what he did. And if they just would have put on, put him on him earlier, who knows what would have happened. And they played that interview for Michael and Marlo <laughs> described his reaction to this. <laughs> uh, like, Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you want to say, Gary. Uh, just let it go. I thought that was the most, that was like so Gary Payton being like Gary Payton from those 90s. Uh, it just all coming back and just being like, I had it. And Michael, like, I, I love that they showed it to him and they showed it on camera showing it to him. Yeah. Because um, it was just like, <laughs> just with a nice chuckle, like, okay, he can say whatever he wants, but yeah. I got the ring. Essentially, is yeah. what he's thinking. Uh, but yeah, he was, I mean, he chopped it up to like, I had other things in my mind, bro. It wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's like, oh. just the chuckle, the head, the head wave or, or whatever at it was, was so fantastic. Um, and it's just, I, I, I was into, so I, I can't remember who said this. Shoot, this is another time I did this. Um, but they're talking about the list of players who have that, yeah, but if was Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but if they put me on him earlier, if this didn't happen, if the ball bounced this way, it's all of them. And none of them ever go, but I got him. <laughs> like, <laughs> none of them ever go, yeah, but I got him. Uh, which I think just kind of kind of speaks to it. Because, you know, we talk about sports a lot, and it's like, yeah, a lot of times it's the ball could go either way, right? It could bounce this way. It could, you know, uh, Kawhi's shot against 76ers bounces eight times at the rim and goes in and then he wins the championship. That could have bounced out. We have all those, right? Situations. But we have how many Hall of Famers looking at Michael Jordan going, yeah, but if, if Michael Jordan literally looks at nobody and goes, yeah, but if. is <laughs> absolutely new. Not for what... We have, we have what the... Uh, when the Magic beat them, but the Magic didn't even win. The Rockets won that year. So it's like they don't yeah. even have that to kind of look at them and go, yeah, yeah, they beat them in the playoffs, and that's true. And I guess you got to go back to the Pistons to, to, to do that. But, like, they don't have that. Yeah, but if. And, like, that's crazy. That's crazy that he has 
all the yeah, but if things go his way. So you got to think it's maybe a little bit about about him. Yeah, um, maybe. That's possible. The evidence is pouring <laughs> towards that way. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. All right, so he wins the 96 championship. First full season back on Father's Day. Got got Dusty Marlowe Mar- starting yeah. to get Dusty again. Um, that was tough. Wins on, wins on Father's Day. Um, first championship, obviously, without his dad. Uh, earlier, they talked about him with his first game without his dad, needing, uh, what do you call it, uh, a special, uh, a private emotional moment, a special emotional moment, something like that. And I was like, I feel that. In 2020, I feel, I feel that feeling. Uh, just give Dad just a little bit of space. Um, but he wins and celebrates. And my God, the scene of him sobbing on the ground by himself with the basketball is heart wrenching. Absolutely heart wrenching. Yeah, that was tough. I yeah, that was, that was tough. I think as a, I mean, just as a person, as a father, and just knowing. What that uh, that uh, everything that was he- uh, held up just to get to that point, and just to see like let it all out was just man that brought up a lot. And I've I've seen the picture of him on the ground with the basketball like that, right? Like he's emotional on the ground, and I just presumed it was like like the first one where he's hugging the trophy. You know, I just presumed it was like normal. I won a championship release. But to see it in this context, to see it, you know, with the off story, with the break, with him coming back and winning his first championship if I was dead, how much that meant was so emotional. And again, to see Michael Jordan having these emotions, it, it was so striking. It was so striking. It was it was amazing um, footage. It was amazing uh, documentary. It was amazing storytelling. Um, and I just, it was great. It was great. It was so emotional. Um, so that's, that's all I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I just feel like I'm going to keep going on about how emotional it was, but yeah. So, so he won. So that was the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Well, they teased, they teased a little bit. Uh, episode nine, uh, next up in 1998. So that was. 96 finals. We're back in 98, Marlo. Uh, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're against Reggie Miller and the Pacers. We talked about all the players who have um, that what-if moment against Michael. Oh, uh, we got another yeah. one coming up. Oh, we got another one coming. Reggie oh, ends Reggie. the episode with saying, this is it. You, being talking to himself, Reggie Miller, are going to retire, Michael Jordan. Yeah. I think the more cocky thing he said was that to this day he thought they he still thinks they're a better team. He still thinks they're a better team. Yeah, was, you gotta be kidding me, man. I feel what like it's you? one of those though. Like it's like we're the better team, but he's the better player thing. Like I feel <laughs> like that's where I maybe that's where he was going. But to Reggie's credit, so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, debate about Reggie Miller's career. How good he was is his you know he never yeah. won obviously. Thanks Michael Jordan, but like. Should he be considered up there with the all-timers, right? Right. And one of the things that I've always heard and really appreciate about him is he thinks he is. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. Like, he probably really thought, he probably still thinks that they were the better team. And he probably still thinks he can go to with Michael Jordan. He can't, and he 
didn't. <laughs> but that he thought that, I think, elevates him from the just a shooter or just a, you know, whatever player to being that elite level player. Um, granted, he never won, but I, th- I think he's, I mean, he's one of those those borderline guys, yeah, right? Right. In, yeah, that, in that type of conversation. And I think his mentality like that, I think I want to err on the side of, of that for him. Uh, but yeah, he's next. And uh, what a great episode, Marlo. These are my favorite too. Just the emotion of it was great. The the Jordan getting that peeling back, the peek behind uh, his emotions, his take on it, um, his strive and attitude. I mean, just firsthand, the way he thought about basketball and the way he approached it was mesmerizing television. Yeah, fantastic. Next week, this the sad but sweet bitter end to this documentary last two episodes nine and ten i can't wait i can't wait we'll see if they can top this one even though we all know it's coming but uh i can't wait to see what their interpretation of it is yeah i'm gonna have to watch jordan rides the bus because i missed that yeah <laughs> all right segments right. Marlo. cameos cameos go ahead um yeah i don't feel like there's much so i'm gonna go with glenn rice because nice. uh, it, it was short and sweet they didn't show many highlights of him, but they, they did have him talking. And I just remember Glenn Rice being having that silky smooth stroke from outside. And I found myself thinking, like, what if he what if he was just born too early? What if he played today? Ooh. What would his what would his stat lines be like now? And I couldn't I when he was talking, I couldn't stop thinking about that. Yeah. He I mean he's Carmelo Anthony, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. With the better with a better outside three. With a better outstretch side, so that would be really good in 2020 basketball. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. I haven't done – I've done a lot. You know, it's fun to think about who, it, were they born at the right time too early. Uh, I didn't think of Glenn Rice in that regard. That's very interesting. Yeah. I, uh, our friend uh, Dan shared a, a stat with us. And I think when Jordan entered the league, teams averaged three three-pointers a game. <laughs> Dang. And now they average like 40. <laughs> Something that's <laughs> absolutely insane. Um, great cameo. It was great to see uh, go to Rice in there for a little bit. I was trying, there weren't many cameos in this yeah. one. Like you said, uh, I, I would even say Gary Payton's was uh, yeah. one of the cameos. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, somebody who's been in the show before. But Patrick Ewing had an oh. interview in this, and they talked about it. It was during uh, Michael Jordan's return to MSG. It was apparently called the double nickel game, which didn't know that's what it was called, but he dropped 55 because that's what Michael Jordan does at MSG. <laughs> um, he drops 55, and Patrick Ewing says, you know, that's unfortunate because I remember that I had a good game as well, but no one remembers that. And it was just like, way to put your career in fucking one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Just put it there, Marlo. I didn't I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to think it. <laughs> but sadly that sums up Patrick Ewing's, Patrick Ewing's career. Basketball life. <laughs> that's tough, man. Oh, that's good. All right. As somebody who I feel bad. Like I feel bad. Patrick, I'm sorry. If you're listening, I'm sorry. 
I am not one one billionth of the basketball player you are. But that encapsulated your entire career. <laughs> Holy crap. All right. Uh, that was cameos. Petrion showed up to uh, self-own himself. Outfits Marlowe again. I feel like it's getting tougher. I feel like mid-late 90s, not as embarrassing as early 90s. Yeah, not as bad. Uh, yeah, outfit's tough, but I'll go a little... I'll go a little to the left here. I, I noticed when uh, Bill Cartwright was talking to Pippen on the on the bench yeah. when he was sitting out uh, that P- Cartwright was rocking L.A. Gears, and I totally forgot how Duh. prevalent L.A. Gears were in the nineties. Did I just steal yours? Um, no, but that's fantastic. Yeah, I just totally forgot. L.A. Gears used to be a hot shoe. Uh, they, they had the light ups that was cool, but they used to be uh, a top notch basketball shoe, and this made me forget. And I saw Cartwright wearing it, and so I'll go with that as the outfit. That's fantastic. I remember. Like gears being the light up shoes, I had no idea there were actual basketball shoes. <laughs> yeah. No idea. I, I thought they were just like, I guess, road sneakers or whatever you would call it, <laughs> where like idiots like me wore them and they're like, watch me light them up. Like, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so cool in sixth grade. Yeah. Um, still wearing sweatpants though, but I got shoes that light up. Um, seventh grade, I stopped wearing sweatpants, I think. Uh, all right, my outfit, Marlo. Uh, again, hard. Uh, I'm gonna go with it. Jordan signing the um, baseball contract. Yeah, he's up there, full <laughs> White Sox uniform with a batting glove on. Just, <laughs> he's there to work, Marlo. He's there to work. Uh, and what better signifying than signing a contract at a press conference with your batting glove on, ready to go? Uh, secondary. Lot of what? Are, what are the hats that Jordan wears? What are the are the fedoras? They're not um, fedoras. No fedoras uh, are the no. What are those called? I don't those know. things. Those. They're things. all over the. They're all over the place. Whatever those hats are, um, that's my that's my number two. So betting glove number one. Uh, those hats number two. All right. Quote. I think I already stepped on my quotes because it was going to be Ewing, but then I didn't forget. I'll come up with the other one. I might already said it, but do you have a quote, Marlo? Um, I have a quote. It's more of a. All right. So my quote. I don't know. I'm going with it. In the um, when the Bulls go back to the Seattle for their games, yeah, and they have the montage highlights. I see a sign that a fan in there has, and it says "Legalize Kemp." No, um, I did see that. It says "Legalize Kemp," and I was like, "Wait, what year is this?" You know, yeah. it's, it's '96. Where is Seattle? Or <laughs> they had been talking about Leo. <laughs> I made a play on words, but it was great. But obviously, it was in the in the culture to talk about legalizing marijuana. Way to put Kemp in there. I loved it, and I thought that was a great sign. So that's gonna be my quote of the week: "Legalize Kemp." Nice, fantastic. Um, yeah, by that, my my favorite sign was the "Welcome Back, Mike." Uh, that I that I, was I I stepped on mine. It was. <laughs> It was the whole um, winning has a price and leadership has a price. That quote, just, man, fantastic. Um, if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. Break. Just fantastic. That Jordan sequence was, was the best. Um, all right, that is it for 
that week, Marlo. I think did we did we exceed the runtime of the actual show? I hope we so. got pretty um, damn close. Pretty geez. pretty close. That is. I mean, if you cut out commercials, then we went over. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we just need the Facebook company and Reese's to sponsor us. Put a little put a little uh, commercial breaks in there, and we would definitely go over. All right. Uh, actual sports news that things are happening tomorrow. The NFL released its schedule. And I add a uh, parenthesis tentative to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's true. I think NFL is scared. Usually this is a big party for us. Yeah. Because uh, it's usually in the middle. I mean, NBA is usually going on, but it's like baseball is going to start. But it's like we have start. We've we started. We've missed football long enough where this is. Yeah. This is it. We just had the draft. Um, ESPN still did like their three hour special. Um, they tried to make it a spectacular. And I don't know if it was just me. Or it was just the hype wasn't there, but it just it just felt different. It just felt like okay, the schedules are coming out, but yes, in pre- are we gonna play these? Yeah, um, I barely looked at the Packers schedule. I saw who they played, and I think this year more than any, I think I'm just leaning in t- into uncertainty, like. So normally you look at a schedule and you go like a win based off last year, based off you know your expectations of the next year. You go like win loss, win loss, right? And like I just feel like so much is uncertain. And this isn't; it's probably not as true as I'm making it out to be. But I just look at the schedule and I'm like I don't know when this is going to happen for real. I don't know when uh, what teams are going to be like in the sense like teams improve and get worse, right? I just feel like so much is uncertain that I can't help but look at the schedule and be like, I don't know what's going on. I'm so uncertain about everything right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I don't want to do the wind loss thing and get my hopes up and just just for it not to happen. So I think that's kind of that's the sentiment. But it happened is the is probably the more important thing. I forgot there was a spectacle to it and didn't even yeah. Wasn't even aware or partake in, in the spectacle nature of it. <laughs> I saw the Packers schedule was released, and that's it. I didn't yeah. do, I didn't do the like. Let's see what the Monday night games are. I didn't do like. Let's see what the Thursday night games are, which I normally would have done. I just went like, oh, the Packers schedule is out. Oh, okay. Then that was it. So yeah, I'm de- I'm with you in the uh, I guess lack of interest, and I think it's just because of the uncertainty. Yeah, hundred percent. But some teams still did their. Um... You know, try to creative ways to social media they're out or, or, or get their days known. So the, the Bears actually teamed up with Lyrical Lemonade. I know you're, you're all about Lyrical Lemonade, uh, Casey. I'm, <laughs> I'm 75% sure that's some sort of drink. <laughs> <laughs> and 25% sure I'm just out of it. No, no. No, it's, not. it's a production company. Uh, owned by Cole well, Bennett, who he does a lot of, uh, he directs a lot of music videos nowadays for uh, pop and hip hop stars. Well, I'm um, surprised that music videos still exist. I agree. So, I agree. But uh, yeah, no, this guy's yeah major. He's like, anyways, anyways, they teamed up with Lyric Lemonade, do their little, uh, made a little video. It was very cute. Um, but I thought, well, finally the Bears did something that was like of the times and now no one cares so um that was fun but i guess the highlight i not even the highlight i don't know if it's a highlight i always get from when when we have an we have four prime the bears have four primetime games that are supposed to happen yeah 
Um, that always makes me scared. I don't like the prime times. I don't like too many prime times, especially when yours are. Oh, I just had them. Yep, they got the Bucks on a Thursday night, a Monday mm. night at the Rams, a Monday night with the Vikings at home, and then Sunday night at your Packers. Well, that could be flexed. That could be fun. But, yeah. But, hey, you got, we just taking on Tom Brady. Taking on Tom Brady in primetime. Awesome. Yeah, that's really all the notes I had. I usually, you know, usually go through like, oh, the wind's lost. I can see yeah. like a murderous row in there where the season could be over or it's, it's either it's going to be either on its way to excess or on its way to a complete failure by week seven. That's my predicament. Mm. Ooh, that's early. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could be on its way to success. Um, look, well, I'm a Scott's fan, so when a former athlete puts lemonade in their title, like Robinade, it's an actual drink. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's a fantastic lemonade that has a lot of sugar. It's great. Um, and has ramen yon on the bottle. So what, what wouldn't you like about that? All right, Packers. Uh, all I know, Marlon, is they have a week five pie. That's really all nice. I remember. I, did, I didn't want to look it up again um, just because of the certain we talked about. Um, they play the Vikings twice, the Bears twice, and the Lions twice. Um, oh, breaking news. Outside of that, some some easy games, some tough games. I don't know. I honestly just don't want to get too uh, worked up about it in case it doesn't happen. I think I'm emotionally preparing myself for that to happen. Totally um, fair. So if it happens, we won't be playing on week five. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I got. Um, so, so the Chiefs play the first, is it like... I don't. I didn't. Even, I didn't. Honestly, didn't look at the rest of the NFL schedule. I just saw the yeah. Bears because again, okay. I wasn't getting too far into yeah. it. All right. All right. Well, we, we won't get into that. Um. All right. Cool. So, as we talk about the NFL, maybe returning on time and having will they will at least be this games will at least be numbered in the order in which they are presented. Right. Maybe the dates will be different. Yeah. Uh, but we have a possible return of sports on the horizon, Marlo. In fact, some of which not on the horizon. They're happening before we know it. The Bundesliga, Marlo, as I know you're a big Bundesliga. fan of. The German Soccer League is set to return May 16th. That's right, folks. That's this Saturday. Coming back. Uh, Google how to find uh, your Bundesliga team, how to match your team to the Bundesliga, whatever. Figure it out. Uh, spoiler alert. Bayern Munich is the Yankees. Don't root for them. Um, I mean, you can if you just are a front runner, but you can. That's fine too. Um, that's coming back, Marlo. So- professional soccer in Germany is coming back. I'm very excited. It's on Fox. It's so it's it's viewable um, here in the United States. Uh, they have a contract with the Fox. It's going to be on Fox Sports. Uh, I am extremely excited to have soccer on in the morning on the weekends. Words cannot put into uh, context how excited I am to have live soccer on Saturday morning, Marlo. Um, and I think you need to pick a team and report back. Okay. Maybe That's Saturday it. morning. Saturday morning, you can turn it on and pick a team. Um, we'll see where the heart takes me. I swear to God, if it's Bayern Munich, I'm going <laughs> to 
flip over, <laughs> flip over a table. Um, all right, so that's that's coming back May sixteenth. Um, next on the agenda, Marlo, Memorial Day weekend. This has been kind of out there in a while, but I just wanted to put it into our little rundown here. Uh, the Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady Memorial Day weekend golf tournament is on schedule for Memorial Day weekend, which I think is the 24th or something like that. Yeah. Um, 22nd through 24th. I don't know. Um, It's that weekend. Maybe it's just the 24th. Either way, it's before June 1st, which is the next thing on my list. So (laughs) (laughs) it's before that. So we have some golf with famous people that we like, some of which are golfers, some of which are former or current NFL quarterbacks. Uh, So that should be exciting. Um, I think it's a weird pairing. I figured Tom would be a Tiger guy and Phil would be a Peyton guy. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like Phil and Peyton are the more personable people and Tiger and Tom are the focus winners. Um, Yep. Maybe that's why they, they split them up and they can go to interviews <laughs> and, and talk to Phil on one end and Peyton on the other. Yeah. Uh, so they don't just go to the, the Tom and Tiger one and just it's just like deadpan like <laughs> I'm here to I'm here to win the game. Yep. Uh so that will be happening. Uh Premier League Marlowe, um a little bit closer to your soccer wheelhouse, I know. Uh, it's scheduled to come back June 1st, and it's a little unclear because essentially the British government said you can't play until June 1st, and Premier League was like, all right, they were playing June 1st. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't really get the okay. They just were prohibited from playing after June 1st. So they're like, let's go as soon as we can. Um, obviously, both these soccer things will be without fans. Um but the Premier League did come out and say that they're not voiding the season and they're adhering to regulation. So the teams who are in the bottom three um, still have a risk to go down a league, uh, which is stinks for those teams' fans. But as a Liverpool fan, means they're not going to void the season. Liverpool is going to freaking win the, the league. So that was great nice. news to my... Print the shirts. great... Yeah, that was great news to my Liverpool ears. Uh, I would have, I, I would have said they won the league, no, even if they voided it, because they're going to freaking win the league. I mean, they're so far ahead; um, it's ridiculous. Um, so that was encouraging to hear, uh, at least from a selfish standpoint. Uh, Marlo, baseball is progressing towards the July first start, although from all. Optics, I think they're aiming for more of a July 4th start. Um, yeah. But there clearly are some, hur- there are, yeah, there are some hurdles and things that need to happen in our country and in baseball to make that happen. I think that should be said for the, the soccer leagues as well that I presume they're progressing upon. Um, but it sounds like we might have early July baseball. Possibly. Um, so that gets me thinking, Marlo. Yep. As we watch the Jordan doc. Yep. As we consider our life without sports. Oh, did you see the Norman Chad wrote a piece for oh crap, what was it for? It doesn't matter. Whatever, some publication. He said, What this pandemic has taught us is that we don't need more sports, we need less sports. No. Go away. 
who who is who says that? Is he a sports writer or just some other? He's a writer? sports. Well, he's well, he's Norman Chad. He he's the poker guy, I think. Oh, get out of here! And he had, the, he had he had he had that take. That is the worst take of twenty twenty so far. This is the absolute worst take. We've made some bad takes. That's a terrible take. We have made zero bad takes. That's true. We how never do, make a how, bad take. I'm sorry. Dare. I got I got a little heated. I got a little. How a little... dare you? How dare you? Um, I think if there's anything we don't need more sports, but why I say that is, I'm in a weird spot, Marlo, and I don't. I'm 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 considering how I watch sports, and and mm, the way in which I watch sports has been very much like I pick a side, I pick a team, I'm rooting for the underdog, I'm, I'm always rooting for something. And if it doesn't happen, if the team I want to win doesn't win, I take it very poorly. If I'm rooting, I'm rooting against Duke because they're Duke. And they win because they should, and they're the better team. I'm bummed because the better team won. I'm bummed because Duke won. I'm thinking, and this might just be pandemic talk, Marlo. And watching the Jordan documentary and considering in the 90s, I probably would have rooted against Michael Jordan as a Bucks fan. And we talked about that earlier. In uh, weeks ago, um, do you think I will just? I'm thinking I will just appreciate sport more. Do you think that, in the sense that I won't pick favorites all the time, I will just be happy to watch a sporting event? Do you think that will change right away? Last for a little bit, let's say half a season. Or be an everlasting change in the way in which I watch sports. Uh, Outs- think- let's say, let's say outside of my teams, right? If the Badgers are playing somebody, I'm obviously rooting for the Badgers. Don't be upset if they lose. But if it's like if I'm watching the Yankees play the Twins, I will inherently root for the Twins and be upset if the Yankees win. But I think I'm, I feel like I'm approaching approaching a like middle ground of like. I'm just glad this is freaking happening and I get to be a part of it. How long do you think that will last or am I just uh, to, making to it up? whatever. I think it will last to whatever league decides they're going to start first in that league's playoffs <laughs> for you. Is that it will end there whenever that playoffs is. Whenever playoffs happens. And then. Yeah, whenever the playoffs happens, whenever it really starts to, to count and like say it's baseball and the Yankees are up for a World Series, yeah, um, whether it's against the Brewers or not. I think that's that's where it ends. Well, they're not going to be the World Series against the Bruce. No, I know, but it, just say it's but base, if, it, but if it's not baseball, if, it, they, like, if it's Yankees Dodgers, I'm cheering for somebody, and I'm not just being like, "Hot dog, this World Series is great." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <sighs> You're probably right. I will. Is it more enjoy? Is it more? Is it better? So clearly, I'm in the. You know where I sit on on the scale, right? Of, of rooting for things. Do people? There are people who watch sport and are just like, "This is entertaining and fun," right? Is that better? Are they living better sports lives than me? Mm, should I, I so. sh- should I try to watch it like that? Uh, and just appreciate <laughs> the sports athleticism in front. But of what's me? the fun in that? Because the. I don't know. the The best part is the high, but you can't get the highs without the lows, right? Isn't that yeah. the whole the whole point? So I don't know. I well, like, maybe I just having a, maybe just having a good time the whole time. I don't know. I don't think the answer. I don't think they are. I I truly don't think they are. I 
clearly will have the highs and lows for my team, but I think I need to. I'm at least going to try to lighten up on rooting against things going forward. I think that's what this pandemic has taught me so far as I watch Korean baseball (laughs) and don't have anybody to root against, but kind of root for the dinos because that's like a cute team. I think my son would name. (laughs) So go dinos, go Go dinos, go Korea baseball, (laughs) come back other sports. I can actually watch. That's all I got, Marlon. You got anything else? No, that's it. That's it for this week. Got the last, next week, last two episodes of The Last Dance. Should be thrilling. Uh, should be good talk. Otherwise, as always, find us on Twitter at 132Breeze. Myself at MarloJR. Casey at Prof Badger Fan. Casey, that's it for me. Any last words? I tried to change my Twitter handle, but that thing I had uh, planned was already taken. Uh, Dang it. So I couldn't come. Back to I the couldn't drawing come board. Up. Yeah, got to go back to the drawing board. Um, yeah, I, uh, I guess I hope this is fun for people to listen to. I know it's fun to talk through. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it, and I know th- I know they're long, but I hope it's fun uh, fun for those who are, are listening. as much fun as for me to talk about. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, be safe and uh, stay healthy.